It's not as though a lot of journalists become politicians, but there's clearly a temptation there. The numbers have been kind of steady, but at 21 today, that's kind of a high watermark. Hello and welcome to RJ Off Leash. I'm Alison Baker, multimedia editor. And I'm Vivian Fairbank, senior editor. Sorry for the strange audio quality. We had some adventures finding a room, but we're hiding in the RJ office right now with our recorder. So if you hear any weird background noise, it's just the RRJ masthead being their yeah. usual selves. Trying to work. Hooligans. <laughs> what you just heard was an excerpt from our interview with Patrice Dutil, a politics professor at Ryerson University, and interestingly enough, a former J school student way back when. We had a great conversation with him for this week's episode. You'll hear more of it soon. It's actually fitting that he changed his career path from journalism to politics, because that's what we're talking about today. We're exploring the relationship between journalist and politician. And not the relationship between a journalist and a politician when one's being interviewed by the other. No, I mean the relationship between the two professions. I'm interested in what happens when a journalist goes to work in politics, and when she transfers over to the dark side. Are you interested in the dark side, Vivian? I mean, I don't think I ever want to join the dark side, but I'm fascinated by the existence and the intricacies of the political world, you know? Like the characters and being able to see it from the inside and the outside. I'm even more attracted to it because it's very related to the feature I wrote for this year's issue of the RRJ. Okay, so essentially, this podcast is a plug for your feature. Well, yes, indeed it is. All right, well... Please, tell me about your, your story. I mean, I guess, if you insist. So <laughs> I do. <laughs> I wrote about the Parliamentary Press Gallery in Ottawa. I don't want to give too much away, because that's for the magazine, which is out in only a few days. So exciting! But I spoke to a lot of reporters working on Parliament Hill, of course, and it was a bit jarring, honestly, from the time I first pitched the story in, I guess, late July to when it finally got through fact-checking last month. So many of my sources had changed jobs. Um, they had left the industry, or they had moved to a different publication, or, interestingly enough, gone to work for the government. Really? Who? I don't want to name any names, but my article is basically rooted in the intriguing, erratic personalities of the workers on the Hill. And it seems like the journalists of Parliament Hill are more unhinged, or, I guess, more notorious than the politicians themselves. So, you went to the the press gallery, you visited it. What, what was the, or what is the relationship in your research that you found? What's the relationship uh, between journalists and politicians over there? It's, I feel like it's so complicated, it's hard to summarize, but there definitely aren't any concrete rules of like engagement or any kind of thing like that. And some relationships are very, very professional and some journalists act on principle that they want to stay that way, but others, you know, they're like more friendly, some are much less than friendly. Um, you know, there aren't any good people or bad people or, or good relationships and bad relationships. It's just kind of its own little world and that's sometimes hard to navigate. But one thing that I didn't really get to hit on in my article and that I do find interesting is the idea that a journalist can sometimes easily transfer into politics and it happens actually quite often. Historically, Canada has had quite um, a, a long list of journalists turned politicians, uh, as do most countries, I guess, but um, they're just kind of two friendly professions and they have a lot in common, wouldn't you say? Yeah, for sure. And I tried to come up with a list of Canadian examples, like a non-exhaustive list, but I gave up because it was, I mean, there's just so many of them throughout history. So I thought maybe we could just name some big names just to give an idea. Well, I feel like the most prominent 
in recent history is the infamous Mike Duffy. He used to be a TV journalist, right? And he's actually in your article. Yeah, yeah. So he's a senator now, but he was a catalyst for one of the stories in my piece. He used to be part of the Ottawa's press gallery before he became a senator. Way, way earlier in history, Canada's actually had a couple of journalists turned prime minister. There was Joe Clark in like 1979. And way, way back, Mackenzie Bowell in the 1890s. <laughs> Although, let me just say that more recently, Stephen Harper is not as much a fan of the profession. Um, I found this old quote of his where he says, We all know that journalists make bad politicians. I mean, that's kind of harsh. He's always really loved us. <laughs> Clearly. There have also been MPs, governor generals, premiers, um, local politicians over the years, Michael Ignatieff or René Levesque. In the most recent elections, we have names all over the country, like Noah Rickler, Ellen Thompson, Adam Vaughn in Toronto, Christian Freeland, Cynthia Block. There's Judy Foote in Newfoundland and Joanne Levy in Calgary too. And it goes on. So basically just a lot of people, and I mean, not all of them are successful. Some kind of, they try to make it into the political club and they don't, <laughs> they don't do it very well or like they just don't get elected. I know there were a lot of Quebecois journalists who ran in the past elections and didn't make it. So some make it in, but they arguably aren't very successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just because you get elected doesn't mean you're very good at it. But you know, some, our star colleagues, they excel as politicians. So do the two careers actually complement each other or do they do the opposite? Are journalism and politics basically the same thing? That's a seemingly simple question, but I feel like it's more complex when you really think about it. Because I feel like there are sometimes conflict of interests, but then as you'll hear later on in the show, Patrice goes into this a little bit and he he thinks that they essentially are the same. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I kind of agree, but I think there are a lot of similar elements, but I don't think that they're They're the not same. the same, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's like a cynical part of me that wants to say that both journalism and politics are essentially just PR, but like that's not actually true. Yeah. And there's such an idea, or I guess like this point of identity that the journalist will like always piss the politicians off and like that's what we want to do and like whether we agree with that or not it just seems so strange to like be pissing off someone for so long and then become one of them if you're a journalist trained politician are you going to get mad at journalists mm -hmm. you know like but then like you had mentioned before it's kind of the subjective and objective view that you gain when you become a politician mm -hmm. after being a journalist and maybe maybe I'm naive and this is an ideal world but maybe that makes you more sensitive to like the journalists asking you questions yeah. and stuff like that. I Hopefully. mean, you, you would think that, but then, but then we go back to Mike Duffy. He sued journalists for like what they've said about him when he was a senator. So it's interesting that like you would hope that it would give you more perspective, but maybe there are just real politicians who try to make it as journalists for so long, and then they just kind of give up and they're like, "Fine, I'll go work in politics." <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> It's strange how sometimes it doesn't give you any perspective at all. Mm. And on that note, we spoke to Patrice Dutil, who was a politics professor, as we already said, and who actually started out as a journalist as well until he realized that, like, no, politics is where it's at. But we spoke to him about whether a journalist can actually make it in the political world. Here he is. My, my pleasure to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Ryerson and what you teach? I'm a professor of politics and public administration at Ryerson. I've been teaching here for 10 years. I teach in two streams. Uh, mostly I teach political public administration. Uh, so I teach things around uh, financial management, management of, uh, of bureaucracy, 
Uh, I teach a course on collaborative governance, that kind of thing. And in our department, we sort of teach half public administration and half politics. On the politics side, I teach uh, this year POG 100, which has been a great a thrill for course. me. Yeah. A yeah. classic course, and I've enjoyed it very much. And I also teach Canadian foreign policy. Okay. So that's what I do uh, in terms of my work. Those are the areas that I work in as far as teaching. And um, you were just telling us that way back when you wrote a book about... Well, my, my first book was that my doctoral dissertation was on a journalist in Montreal who became uh, very active politically. His name was Godefroy Langlois, and he was a journalist uh, at the turn of the century, mm -hmm. uh, the famed uh, era of the yellow press, mm -hmm. uh, when newspapers really came into their own as a prime vehicle for, for news sharing and uh, for political battle. Mm -hmm. And Godefroy Langlois was a, a spectacular fellow until I, I, I wrote on him, nobody else had done so. And uh, so I sort of discovered him. And uh, it turns out that this journalist, uh, was a journalist all his uh, working life, uh, became very active politically. He ran for office in 1904, defeated a cabinet minister and stayed uh, in the uh, Quebec legislature for, for 12 years until he was kicked out of the province. Uh, his newspaper was uh, indexed by the Archbishop, outlawed by the Archbishop of Montreal. It was the second time this man had been outlawed by the church. Well, I shouldn't say outlawed. Reading his newspaper was outlawed. Okay. So you have to be specific. Reading the newspaper was outlawed. So Catholics were not allowed to read this publication. Anyway, they made life difficult for him. He, wasn't, uh, he, was, he was fairly well off financially. He married a rich girl. It is the old-fashioned way. Uh, but he wound up uh, leaving Montreal and became uh, the Quebec representative to uh, Belgium. He was the first Quebecer to be named uh, on a foreign posting wow. to represent the province. Good for He's a, uh, He remains, 35 years later, a great model, a great champion, uh, a very original thinker. It, it's funny because I was at a conference uh, a few weeks ago in Ottawa, and I, I was asked to talk about it and his relationship with Wilfrid Laurier, the prime minister. Uh, because he had contact with, uh, and he had the protection of the Prime Minister until the Archbishop uh, finally denounced him. So it's a fascinating story. This man was very progressive, and most journalists tend to be on the progressive side. Uh, Frank Underhill, the great historian, once said that the, uh, the left in Canada is due entirely to the work of journalists. So there's always been an affinity between journalism and politics question is you know, to what degree, but there's always been an affinity and it's not surprising. A lot of journalists cover politics and they look at these politicians and they say, well, I can do better than this. Yeah. And so they run for office. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's not surprising. In many ways, they're sort of a symbiotic relationship between the news business and the politics. So so what um, <coughs> what kind of characteristics did like Langlois have or do... Um, journalists have that make them good politicians? What makes a good politician, bar none, is an affinity for communication. We've had politicians and prime ministers who have zero charisma, and, you know, Mr. Harper was one of them, and right. he knew it. Mm -hmm. But somehow he still managed to communicate, and his focus on communications never left him. Some people say he obsessed about communications. The reality is that if he was able to stay prime minister for almost a decade, mm -hmm. uh, is because he still managed communications properly. He failed, ultimately, because he did not manage communications well in the, in the last election. In fact, I think it's still the primary reason why he lost. But... Uh, my, my point is that all politicians have to master communication. All successful politicians. Many politicians don't. They're not successful. So not surprisingly, somebody who's used to communicating, who's learned to communicate well, will be tempted by a life 
in, in politics, mm-hmm. inevitably. Inevitable. What do you think makes it so tempting for a journalist to think, you know, I can go, is it kind of like going to the other side and, you know, trying to make a difference in a different way? I think, I think a lot of journalists have ideas about society and, and, and get tired of just reporting about it and actually want to get involved. A good example is Adam Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, I never thought much at all about Adam Vaughn's journalism. I thought it was cheaply sensationalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he moves into civic politics, becomes elected to city council, and I've seen him work up close. Clearly the man is very, very smart mm-hmm. and media savvy, yes, but he also has a real intelligence and a real contribution to make to public affairs. So I became a reluctant fan, and now he's in the House of Commons, sitting with the government, but twiddling his thumbs because he doesn't have a cabinet seat. So he's in the back bench, and really the question is, how long can Adam Vaughn keep his mouth shut? <laughs> So uh, I say this as a great fan, uh, you know, as an admirer of a man who's, who's made that leap, obviously covering politicians, whether it was Queen's Park or, or City Council, for many, many years and saying, I can do better than these guys. Yeah. So, and because he, he has the skill. It's uh, funny that you talk about his perhaps lack of skill in one department and then moving into politics and being so good at it. There was this column that I read that said, you know, a lot of the journalists who turn politicians are probably either going to fail in one or the other. And they talk about like Mike Duffy and Pamela Wallen and like say, you know, the people who are the most notorious, I guess, in politics are often ones who used to be journalists and try to move in without really having the expertise. Yeah, okay, but I think you're being unfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wallen and Duffy are unique cases. Most journalists don't wind up in that kind of situation. These were two celebrity journalists, and they they were selected for the Senate because of their celebrity capacity. That wasn't through journalism. I mean, neither of them were known to be, quite fr- frankly, yeah. phenomenal journalists. No, I mean, sure. Duffy had a certain impact, uh, and especially in his early career, was actually a remarkably good reporter. Pamela Wallen was a good reporter, too. She had a show for a long time. Um, and, you know, undeniably a personality. But that, I don't think that's what... They didn't fail because they were journalists. They failed because laws were misinterpreted or because, let's say, they took liberties with the rules. And we still don't know, in the case of Mr. Duffy. I mean, yeah. He may be found completely not guilty, so mm-hmm. who knows. But there are lots of journalists. I've actually, I actually did a little bit of work in preparation for this. There are 21 journalists in the House of Commons right now. This, wow. These are people who were elected last fall. And that's a high watermark. If you go over the last 10 parliament, the average is 13 people mm-hmm. who've listed themselves as journalists. And over the course of Canadian history, of Confederation, let's say, journalists rank in the, uh, in the fifth or sixth group as an occupation. Uh, the average over the last 10 parliaments has been 13. So there have been about 13 people who identify themselves as journalists sitting in the House of Commons. So it's not a huge number. It's not as though a lot, a lot of journalists become politicians. Yeah. But there's clearly a temptation there. The numbers have been kind of steady, but at 21 today, it's kind of a high watermark. Why do you think that is, that it's higher now? I think, well, I think that because... the. In part, I suspect, the precarity of journalism uh, is going to move a lot of people into politics. And it's interesting to see those people who do list themselves as journalists also list themselves as public relations specialists, TV uh, personalities, a whole bunch of people. So you, you look uh, around the House of Commons right now, you have Peter Kent, you know, long before you guys, was an extremely well-known anchor in, in Canada. Gérard Deltel in Quebec also sits on the conservative side. On, on the liberal side, you've got, as I said, Adam Vaughan, but you also got Christian Freeland, who's Minister of Trade. You know, Freeland's had all sorts of jobs, but I always got the sense that her jobs were increasingly precarious. And here again is a woman who's extremely bright, who's written a couple of books, 
who follows who's followed public affairs for 20 years and says, you know, I have an opportunity to run for a nomination in an area that I know in Toronto. Sometimes it's tempting. Yeah, you know, for it, sure. The money is going to be better. You're going to have a salary for four years. Maybe that's better than what's possible in journalism. Are the two careers mutually exclusive? Like, is it as soon as you become a politician, you're journalist career is over? No, I think that's really wrong. I think people who are political journalists are curious about what's going on, are curious mm -hmm. about the political machinery, about the drama of politics, but they're also interested in the machinery of government. Whether they're the world of journalism will allow them is another question, mm -hmm. but I think that you're, it's a real fault because uh, somebody who's actually lived on the inside knows a heck of a lot more about the reality of politics and maybe can go beyond the he said, she said which is most of what political reporting is today. Or right. he said, he said, she said, she said, whatever. <laughs> um, and that's that's the unfortunate part of, of, of journalism, is that concentration on trying to find a balance between mm -hmm. between positions, when it's a heck of a lot more complicated than that. So do you think that there's um, any thing that makes it explicitly wrong for a journalist to become a politician or to return to um, journalism after being a no, politician? No, I think there's nothing wrong with it. No conflict of interest? Anything? I don't see a conflict of interest. No. I mean, if they're still partisan, if they're still members of a political mm -hmm. party, yeah. then that's different. Uh, that's fundamentally different. But um, the reality is that very few people do that. Once they've gone to the dark side, <laughs> the politics side, they, they realize that, well, they realize, they also grow older, mm -hmm. and journalism is hard. Uh, there are other jobs you can do in communications that aren't as hard as journalism, right. and I think that naturally they, they tend to do those jobs. Mm -hmm. um, part of the article that I wrote kind of talks about these different journalists who are going to work in different sectors. Um, and, and the kind of classic case that I base it off of is um, this journalist who Duffy paid as a senator, yes. and it was because they had previously known each other as journalists and had like worked together on the Hill and then kind of kept this relationship going um, after senator, the senator went to like the dark side. And, you know, um, a lot of people were saying, you know, this is why journalists shouldn't become politicians because they have these weird connections with like their former colleagues and, and they might like end up getting paid for things they shouldn't or for having these relationships that are like... There are rules and there are laws and they have to be observed. Okay. And there's a conflict of interest, whether it's perceived or real, that has to be declared. And, you know, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, or a journalist, or whatever, you have to live by those rules. Yeah. And if you're crooked, you're crooked. But I don't think being a journalist should disqualify you from, from doing that. You can be a, a great journalist and you can be a great politician. You can, you can go back and forth. Again, how well you do that is entirely up to you. And there's a lot of integrity that's... You know that needs to be demonstrated. I mean, you know, a lot. Of, if there's one thing that's different about House of Commons today is that we have a lot more social activists now. You know, in the past, you know, you were a lawyer. Lawyers have always been a big part, not a majority, but a big part of the people who ran for office. And the reason was because that's what government does. That's what Parliament does is it passes laws. And so naturally, a lot of lawyers were interested in knowing how laws are passed. And if they were lucky enough to get into government, into, into actual cabinet, then it helped them to be lawyers because, well, you're crafting a law. But law is now uh, something that pretty well everybody does. It's not, a, it's not a rare commodity like it was before. Lots of lawyers everywhere. Uh, and the reality is that lawyers have become very rich. They weren't quite so rich in the past. So we're, there are fewer and fewer lawyers willing to run for office, sacrificing four, eight, twelve years of prime career, you know, losing on customers, losing on clients, losing huge amount of intelligence in order to be a backbencher in government. Right. What we're having now is a move towards more social activists, people who have been representatives of smaller groups, of associations, of interest groups, of social groups, 
who naturally develop a constituency and who marshal that constituency into an office, into a seat, a constituency seat. My point is, what, why would the rules be any different for journalists than for them? Yeah, totally. They can go back into community politics and still make representations to the office. I mean, I, I just don't see why journalists should be singled out. We are often so persecuted. <laughs> it's hard. All the time. Oh, you, most of the time you deserve persecution. <laughs> okay, I think that's actually, yeah, that's all we need to know. Thank you so much yeah. for coming. My pleasure. It's it's, it's always a, a field that, that fascinates me. <laughs> I mean, I actually started in J-School. Oh, really? My first Here? year. No, at Carleton. Oh, so oh, you okay. did the symbolic journalism symbolic <laughs> shift. I, I did. I did my first year of journalism. And I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. But I stay. I still stayed with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I started a magazine. I've always been interested in it. Yeah. I still, I still, and I still read. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought of going, kind of going back into it? And then one day you can go and be a journalist. Yeah. We'll be waiting. Or a politician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One day I think he might have just convinced me to drop out and run in the next elections. <laughs> I think I might just go be a politician now. I think I might just go be a politician now. You know? I'd vote for you. I would vote for you. Oh my god. Let's start a political party. Let's call it the Ryerson Review. That name sounds so familiar. I, you know what? It actually sounds a lot like the name of the magazine that we're releasing next week. Oh my god, you mean the, the Ryerson Review of Journalism? That must be what I mean, because the Rice Review Journalism is coming out next week, right? March 21st. Whoa, Monday, March 21st. Is it at 5.30 p.m. at Beer Market in did Toronto? You, yeah, how did you know? The launch party <sighs> is at 5.30 p.m. till 8.30 p.m. at Beer Market, 58 the Esplanade so in Toronto. what is that if, on Monday, March 21st, I go to Beer Market in Toronto at, at the Esplanade 5:30 at 5.30 p.m.? There will be copies of the New Ryerson Review of Journalism. That you can buy for $10. They're on sale. That is just so cheap and great. <laughs> and you know what's even better? You get Tell to meet me. the writers of each story. I've always wanted to meet them. I heard they're really cool people. They're so cool. And what's even better? You would get to meet the people that run this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this girl named Allison. She's pretty cool. You know what, Vivian? There's this girl, Viv. Like... My girl, she's great. My girl. And Eternity, yeah. beautiful. Great. Great. So, so, you know, people who are listening to this podcast should come to the launch party, talk to us about how great the podcast is, buy a copy of the magazine. And then talk to us about how great the magazine have a beer. is. Have a beer. And have more than one beer with have us. Have several beers. Slash cocktails. Slash whatever you... Water. What, whatever your poison is. Coke. Coke. There'll be Not some cocaine. snacks. Yeah, please, please. Cookingless at the launch party, yep. I think. Actually, this is a very poetic ending because while we are launching the magazine, we are ending this year's version of the podcast, which was the only year's version because it's the first time that it has existed. <laughs> it's been so great and sometimes so stressful Yes. putting this podcast together every two weeks, but I really hope that this keeps going and hopefully you guys will hear some more off leash come september it needs to it be. needs to stay like consistent yeah so. as we sit in the boardroom <laughs> recording this on a zoom recorder <laughs> so to our listeners don't give up hope we may not have another episode up for a while but there will be new rjers soon to follow the tradition and, and until then feel free to contact us and say hello and thank you so much for listening and supporting us and we'll we hope to see you on Monday. Yes. We will see you all on Monday. We're going to get attorney in here to say goodbye, too. Bye.
Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to our first podcast, and we will miss you all, and have a great summer. Bye! Bye.